Okay, today we're going to begin a, a two-part series on Pesach. And I'm going to try to give over really two basic ideas today. And we're going to continue with our format of meditating on that which we learn to music. So we're going to start with the idea, which is a critical idea in Judaism, and especially the teachings of Hasidut, which is called Hit Chad Shut, from the word Chadash. Hit Chad Shut, which means the ability to renew oneself. And we're going to see how, on the most practical, to the most mystical way, this is the overriding theme of the whole month of Nisan that is coming up and obviously because Pesach is the major event in in Nisan it will apply to Pesach as well but since we're three weeks before Pesach what, I, what I'd like to do is in a sense pave the, the way for understanding what's called the Avoda the service of this coming month which as I said is highlighted in Pesach so what is this idea and where do we learn it from so we learn it from something that I I think that we're going to get into uh, next week is the idea of Rosh Chodesh because the first mitzvah that the Jewish people receive as a as a people <coughs> is the mitzvah of really calculating the calendar but it's not stated that way the first mitzvah that we receive says HaChodesh Hazel Lachem Rosh Chodeshim this month is the first of the months to you. And it's brought down that this is the first mitzvah given to the whole Jewish people. So we learn immediately something very, very important. That first of all, the, the oral Torah tells us it's not just that we're being told that Nisan is the first of the months. Because what's the mitzvah there? The mitzvah is how to calculate and understand the complete Jewish calendar. And all the cycle of the months and the holidays and how they affect us on multiple levels. Which tells us that the fact that this mitzvah is connected to time alerts us immediately to an incredible personal teaching that the first mitzvah of going from being a slave to a free person is becoming a master of time. Because God could have given us other mitzvahs as the first mitzvah. But the fact that the first mitzvah has to do with time and understanding time and how to use time and fit into time and not to be a slave to time so that already is a tremendous teaching in and of itself that that understanding that the way that I use time defines in a sense how free I am or how much of a master I am over my own fate and destiny according to how I use time so that's one teaching in of itself which is not a hundred percent connected to this idea of heat cut shoot but as we'll see it really is heat cut shoot and the word chadash new and chodesh the actual word for month comes from new what's new the moon and since this is a group of, of women so this is a very very important uh, 
connection. Very, very important connection that the idea of newness is connected to the idea of the month, which is connected to the moon, which is connected to the moon. So time is considered a feminine aspect. A wonderful idiom is, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person. Which is counter-logical. If they're so busy already, how are they going to have time for a new project? Doesn't make sense. They should go to someone who's retired or who has nothing else to do. Doesn't work like that. A person who is busy, it usually means they're busy because they have the capability of getting things done and lots of them. And if someone has nothing but time on their hands, it probably means that they don't know how best to use that time. Or they wouldn't have so much time on their hands. Right? So, and I find that very, very true. Very, very true. Okay, so that's the entry point here. So what is this idea of Hitchadshu, newness? And why is it so important? In, in the teachings of Hasidut, this is quoted all the time as one of the great secrets of the soul, is how to tap in to newness. Now the calendar itself is designed that way. That's why it's a lunar calendar. Because every month has an entirely new energy. And that energy comes with the rebirth of the moon. There's a very, very, very strong theme of rebirth in the Jewish calendar. Not just once a year. And that's what this mitzvah is. Because we have a new year of years and we have a new year of months. And they're not the same thing. The new year of years is Rosh Hashanah, but it's the seventh month of the year. You would think if it's the new year of the years, it should be the first month. No, Nisan is the first month. And and the fact that Rosh Chodesh Nisan and Rosh Hashanah on a 360 degree wheel are exactly across from each other, literally to the day, exactly across from each other, This is one of the secrets of why the Jewish calendar is both a solar calendar and it's primarily a lunar calendar, but it's not like the Muslim calendar, which is strictly lunar. And it's not like the Gregorian, or we'll call it the Western calendar, which is strictly solar. The Jewish calendar understands there's a new year for years, and a new year for months. In other words, there's a balance between the energies of the sun and the moon and everything that that uh, represents. Which we're not going to go into now. That's not really the, the, the theme of the class. But what was that statement? Balance of the energy of the sun? Sun and the moon. And all that that, that, that represents. All that symbolism that is there between the solar... And the the solar is a steady, uh, dependable kind of energy, where the new moon, not dependable, I don't know if that's a good word, um, steady energy, where the, the moon is constant change. Every night, if you look at the moon, it looks different. From the new moon to the, to the quarter moon, to the full moon, back to the quarter moon, to the new moon again. And it rises at a different time every night. The sun, okay, the sun moves through the seasons, but it still rises at morning and it sets in the evening. Where the moon, sometimes it's out in the day, sometimes it's out at night, sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. So, newness is is not just something on the individual level. It has to do with the national level. Because of Jewish history, and, and the way it's played itself out, and that we've had to 
relocate and move and flee so many times from so many communities over so many generations we would ask what what gave us the strength to start again over and over again and Hasidut said this is the secret he got you this idea that no matter how low a place I'm in how disastrous the circumstances seem how hopeless there's something deeply ingrained in the Jewish soul okay I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to start again which is really uncanny it's really uncanny how as a people we've been able to do this but that power is in every Jewish soul also it's in every Jewish soul to be able to do this there's a, a, a verse in the Psalms that says Sheva yipol tzadik v'kam a tzadik falls seven times and gets up see people think tzadikim don't fall you know what they fall more than anyone else the difference is they get up they get up I remember in in Denver in, in my dentist's office on the ceiling because you're like no, you're sitting back in the chair there was a, a poster of this guy on a surfboard on one of these Hawaiian gigantic, gigantic waves right like riding it on top and the, the caption was um, the difference between a, a winner and a loser is getting up one more time so that's the, the idea of Hit Hadshut on a deeper level on a, on a, let's call it a very scientific and Kabbalistic level this has to do with plugging in to the energy of creation and just to remind everyone why we're learning this is because this is the month that's coming up this is, this is the month of Pesach and, and this is the spiritual energy that's in the air we're going to connect this to very practical things very soon like cleaning one's house and see how it's connected in a very practical way so on a very very deep Kabbalistic level we have this idea that creation is yesh mi'ayin something from nothing and this represents the idea of newness something from something can also be new but not in its deepest essence something from nothing represents what we call the epitome of newness and we're told that we're talking about the fabric of the universe we're told that the fabric of, of the of cosmology is based on this idea of something from nothing we say every day in our prayers in his goodness he renews daily the works of creation we say actually twice in our, in our morning prayers God renews the creation every day Kabbalah Hasidut reads it not every day every split second every split second now when you say Kabbalah reads it do you mean Kabbalah interprets it or Kabbalah Under, yeah Kabbalah understands that idea of God renewing the creation every day it's not even every day but it means like at every split second and on the deepest level which is very close to quantum physics it's as if reality is blinking in and out of existence in billions of seconds if, if we could see between the frames if we could slow down the fabric of the universe to see how time works and how the energy works in a sense in between the frames there's a space like there's a space and that is 
God creating the world constantly something from nothing. And we're told that that is the energy that we try to plug into when we talk about heat chadshut. You know, when, a, when a person's in, in that place where they need new energy, they they run the race. They're like they're at the end. They need something new. So what we we need to plug into is really is, is just let the soul experience this energy which is actually present at all times. And that's why we say, how is it that, that certain Sadiqim, this is known for generations, they sleep an hour a night, two hours a night for their whole lives. It, def- it really defies medical understanding. Is because at Sadiq, their soul is constantly plugged in to this energy source, on this level, on this level. And we all get it sometimes. We all get it at, at certain occasions, even if we slept three hours, but like now we have to be on. We pull it off. We can pull it off. But, it, but the next day we usually like crash and like we have to recover for a week afterwards. But there are people who are plugged into this constant heat chadshut. Constant heat chadshut. So that is this one idea this one idea and now we're going to take that idea and try to meditate on it in our own in our own personal ways I'm just going to add one thing to this that the the, the Roshi Teva of Chodesh Nisan the, the acronym of those two words Chodesh Nisan spells Chain I just learned a beautiful teaching from Rob Ginsburg about this. He says, what is the difference between Nisan and Tishrei? He says, Tishrei... Are they near each other? No, Tishrei is when Rosh Hashanah is. Oh. Okay? The month of Tishrei is when Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, the whole, all of the holidays. He said, that avoda, that service is of tshuva. That's the service of... of introspection repentance drawing close to God looking deeply in the soul making up with people all of that he says so what's the the avoda of Nisan he says and he says there's something deeper about newness than even tshuva. He says, why? Because tshuva, we're on a path, and then we go off the path. I'm not saying religiously necessarily, but we go off the path, and now we do tshuva with the, with the intent to get back on the path. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But he said, newness, hitchad shoot, is sometimes we need to change the path it's nice to fix up the old path but sometimes we need more than that Ah, in a sense yes in a sense yeah we're working with what we have let's say our own limitations our own failings our own uh, desires for life and vision for life but Nisan is a time to get in touch with new energy. Now, as we're going to see very, very shortly how this is connected to the seasons and everything. And he says that this idea of newness is connected to the idea of chen. Chen means grace. And the expression is to find grace in God's eyes. Yeah. Thinking as you're teaching to you on the concept of form and function, <coughs> because really creation is given a form to something. And then after it has the form, we often think, like, what comes first, the function of form, form, and function? Then it seems like those six months later, at Tishrei, or perhaps the other new month mm-hmm. of the year, there's that opportunity to look at how it's been functioning. Ah, okay. Yeah. Very, very much, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very, very much. 
So is that length, like if newness is more like chasma, is it, is it sparks kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. related? Mm-hmm. But it's tissue, is it? It's more bina. Yeah. yeah, so it is like. More bina. Bina. Just a question, when you were saying about Hasidus belief that you know God is renewing creation every split second, you said, but I, I wasn't quite clear, like is in every split second, is the world being created anew or being recreated? Well, obviously we have to say recreated or every frame would be completely different. Mm-hmm. There would be no continuity. It's possible that there will be no continuity. <laughs> yes, okay. So that's where we get into quantum physics. In other words, exactly. In other words, it's a combination. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a recreation in the sense that there is continuity. And this is very based on, I think we've mentioned this before, that within the atom, they now have seen this idea of energy bursting in and out in billions of seconds. That that's the, 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 let's say, the heartbeat of the atom is this energy that we're talking about. So it's quite amazing that this Kabbalistic idea is so close but when you get into quantum physics we find that things at best are predictable they are not determined which just reminds this pops into my head a, a, one of the Hasidic Rebbe's in the middle of August was once wearing a fur coat and it's Hasidim say Rebbe it's, it's like broiling out here why do you have your winter coat on? And he said to them, he said, who knows? Maybe we'll snow today. Are there any guarantees that today is going to be hot? So you hear that story, it sounds like kind of like, like ludicrous. Like, like what was he thinking? <laughs> like, we, don't, we don't get it, right? But what he was saying is exactly what quantum physics says. Is that from one second to the next second, from one physical reality to the next reality, as much as you would want to say we can absolutely determine how you get from here to here scientifically, the best you can do is predict. And the laws of science are very predictable, but they're not absolute. That's what, that's what quantum physics says. What do you do then with the law of determinism? Ah, so, that, so, that, so that's it. In other words, uh, actually it's in... Mm the dream book there's a whole discussion of this that Einstein's ideas were very close to deterministic quantum physics is very close to free choice mm-hmm. and, and which one is true? both they're both absolute which is one of the oldest paradoxes in Torah is this, this paradox of free will and determinism but in science itself that is the question now how, how can the, the, the theory of relativity, which works on a macro level, but it does not work on a micro level? And the laws of quantum physics works on a micro level, but it does not work on a macro level. And that's the big paradox of science today. How are we going to unify both of these ideas, which have been proven in, in the laboratory, that they're both true? Einstein's ideas the way the world works on the, in the big level is much closer to a deterministic idea of how things can be absolutely determined from one moment to another and from one place to another place based on, if you know the present, then you can absolutely predict the past and the future based on that. Quantum physics says no. Is thing, there's, there's this uncertainty about everything. And that's where free will comes in. So it would need much more d- discussion than that, but that's it in general. And that's in that book, that uh, secular book. Yeah, also. But this is, but I, encaps- <laughs> I encapsulated it in, in, in here. I have that book. Okay, so this idea of chen, of finding grace. Now, listen to what, um, what 
Rav Ginsburg said. Really, really beautiful. He said, the idea of finding grace is, on, in Tishrei, when we're doing tshuva, in a sense, it's all about accounts. I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I want to fix this, and I want to fix that, and all of that. Nisan is more about relationship. Now, God didn't take... We were on the 49th level of impurity, according to the, uh, the Midrash. So on what merit did God take us out of Egypt? So it's answered because we found grace in His eyes. We found grace in His eyes. And, and there's a famous verse in, in, in Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah. Jeremiah says that uh, we found grace in God's eyes uh, because we went out into the desert like a young bride um, just because we love God which is called Matzachin B'midbar there's a famous song Ko'amar Hashem Matzachin B'midbar which is from this verse that because we're willing to go into the desert and just follow God into we don't know <laughs> that's found grace in God's eyes so listen to what he said. He said, he said, why do we clean our houses so much before Pesach? He said, if you, if you look in the, in the halacha, we find that 85% of what we do is really spring cleaning and is not really necessary for cleaning checking for Hametz he says this is an example though of the avoda of Nisan because we want everything to be new we're really connected to this energy and he says he says this is particularly a woman's chen in God's eyes not that men don't or shouldn't clean for Pesach but he says mostly the women who took this upon themselves as part of their spiritual vote, spiritual avoda is well it's spring it's Pesach everything has to be new and clean and fresh he said that finds chain in God's eyes chain is grace grace yeah he said that so I, I think this is just a beautiful Torah to think about as we start, you know, slaving away in our our houses and our kitchens, and people start thinking like, why am I doing this? Do I really have to do this? I do. Why do I do it every year? Maybe I should do it, and we end up doing it anyways. So this is like a spiritual way to look at it from the beginning in a very beautiful way is because the energy of Nisan is all about newness, this is one of the deepest ways to connect. Going through our papers and throwing things out. It's, it's, it's a type of tshuva. It's a type of tshuva like, I want in on this new energy. I remember when I first learned about the... This thing. I mean, first when I was so um, argumentative and rebellious and this is crazy, they're all crazy, I'm not doing this, da 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 Then I learned about it being like cleaning out our own internal chametz and purification. Right. And I remember one Pesach when it was like 120% totally that. Every single thing I did, there was so much to free myself of, to clean out, to want to be new. It was like the most incredible feeling. And then when I burned a little piece of something and I saw the smoke. And um, it was very special. It was a very special experience. Right. So you're, you're bringing up one of the most important points is the attitude as we're cleaning this idea of this inner tshuva. That we're looking for the inner chametz. All of Hasidus explains this. We're not just looking on the outside, but we're looking for the inner chametz. And that's what we're going through all of our books and our papers and our this and our that. 
Like, because we can use that as a process of, like, what do I need to get rid of? But not just physically. Like, how can I really start again? How, or not start again, but how can I plug into new energy? Yeah. It's just in line with the essence. That idea is God recreating or creating every millisecond, nanosecond, because when you are throwing out, you're reordering. And you're just changing the space relationship. Mm-hmm. So is that new space, or are you just recreating the space with that? Okay, so that's part of the recreating. But then there's times where during that month process, we decide to do something new. Let's go out and get a new couch. Or let's paint paint a new color. Mm -hmm. Or let's let's do the cedar different this year. We've always done it this way. Let's let's do it this way. Now there's that kind of energy. So Rob Ginsburg was just saying, he said, that is a bit, if we would see it that way, it's a very high level of tshuva. So what is tshuva? It means to return. So here, we're returning to a certain vibrant source in the soul. that easily gets covered up in the routine of the day. We just, we fall into routine. We fall into routine. And so Nisan is a time to, right, do something new. Break habits. Yeah, break habits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was all connected with freedom. That's all with freedom. Because remember, Egypt, everyone... See, when I say everyone says, we have to know that so many of these teachings are, are from Hasidus. That we take it for granted they were around for thousands of years, but we, we have no concept of how much the Baal Shem Tov brought into the world. So this idea of looking for the inner Chometz, this is a, Hasid, a Hasidic idea. Now everyone says it. It's just, it's just like, it's part and parcel of, of understanding Pesach. And uh, there's so many things, so many things like this. Let's take these ideas in obviously a very, very personal way and connect to the, the newness that's there all the time, but specifically the newness that is coming with the springtime, and that's what we're going to go into, into next. The newness in nature, the newness in the calendar, the idea of freedom, of being a master of time, and finding that newness deep in the soul.
Now we're going to move to another idea. Okay, so what we're going to do now is a very, very, very important idea. And we'll see how far we get this week. I'm actually going to try to condense this teaching because next week I really would like to get to the Haggadah a little bit so people have actually some new insight for, for, for Seder night. And this is an idea, it's a very simple idea, but very important idea, is that the holidays, all of the holidays, can be understood on five different levels. And they, and they are like this. There's a historical level to each holiday. And since we're coming to Pesach, I will plug it into Pesach, but this works for all of the holidays. There's a historical level where there's a story. There's a historical story. Pesach is coming out of Egypt, becoming a people, going to Mount Sinai, uh, slavery, freedom, all of that. There's a historical reality to it. And during the Haggadah, that is the framework that we're following. Not just dealing with spiritual teachings, we're dealing with the historical context of this holiday. Hanukkah has his history, Purim has its history, Shavuos has its history, Sukkot has its everything has its history. That's why I'm just going through these very quickly, just so we can see a structure here. Then there is a nature slash agricultural level to each holiday. I already mentioned in passing, but this is critical for understanding Pesach, is the connection between spring and Pesach. Because if we're talking about renewal, we just look outside and we see it all around us. Now this is very important and this is one of the reasons of the connection of Pesach to spring because a number of times in the Torah it says in addition to this idea that Nisan is the first of the months here but it says keep the holiday of Pesach in the spring because in the spring you came out of Egypt it says this at least twice so what, what do we learn from that everyone knows Pesach in the spring why did the Torah to tell me, tell me that again is because if we had a pure lunar calendar, that would not be true. Yes, exactly. That's why Ramadan, this is no value judgment, but Ramadan is not connected to a season. It could be winter, spring, summer, or fall. It's totally disconnected to any kind of natural cycle. The Jewish holidays are not. We came out of Egypt in the spring because spring is the energy of Pesach. Freedom is in the air. What about in Australia? Ah, so that is the reality of being in Gullis. No, no, truthfully, because all of the holidays are based in Eretz Yisrael. That is our national home. So you're right. If you're doing Pesach in the middle of winter, yeah. So there's something, yeah, not natural about it. And it's not like you can't enjoy Pesach, but it's a reality that it's it's everything based in Eretz Yisrael, as it should be, as it should be. It's our it's our home. It's our home. And not just the, the nature, even Hanukkah. Because in the story of Hanukkah itself, there's no seemingly connection with winter. Ah, but the connection of winter is that it's the shortest night, shortest days and the longest night. So this becomes highly symbolic. When are we lighting candles? At the darkest time of the year. That takes on tremendous significance, tremendous symbolism. All of the holidays are like this. And, and here we also have an agricultural. These are three pilgrimage holidays. Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot have an, not just a seasonal, but an agricultural meaning to it. Again, I'm doing this very general. We could go into great depth about each one of these, but I, I, I just want to set up the structure here. So, we're connected to the history of the holiday, and the season, and the agriculture of the holiday. 
And then there's the emotional, psychological connection. In other words, actually, I'm going to put one before that, I'm sorry. The theme of the holiday. Each holiday has a theme. What's the difference between the story and the theme? Well, the story is we came out of Egypt and uh, we became a people and everything. The, the meaning of the theme becomes the, the spiritual context that we want to walk away from the holiday. So the theme of Pesach, we've talked about newness, but it's definitely freedom. Freedom is like the key word. And almost every holiday you can find one or two words, three words, five words, doesn't matter, but there's a handful of concepts that are what, what Rav called the headquarters. In other words, the meaning and the theme of every holiday is meant, as we were talking before, for every day. In other words, the meaning of Hanukkah is not just for once a year or Purim, or Tu Bishvat, or Lag Ba'omer, or Shuvat. Those, those themes are important themes for us every day. But nonetheless, there's once a year that we concentrate on them. They have, we're focused on them. And that becomes an important part of the holiday. So freedom and newness. And I would add another one is relationship. Because it's, it's during Pesach that we forge our relationship with God. That's why we read Shira Shirim on Pesach. For two reasons. Spring and relationship. And as I mentioned that verse in Jeremiah, that God says we're like a, like a bride following the Chatan out into the desert just out of pure love. So we can add other, other things, whatever is personally meaningful. Yeah. A question about that because of course like that's one way to read it and then also there's the whole like God takes them a long way so they can't go back you know I mean there's a mm-hmm. lot of indications in that story mm-hmm. that actually the people aren't going so lovingly into the desert and that they're very afraid and that they don't trust and that the golden calf happens okay there, yeah and all of those things at each point where like the Jewish people don't appear to be acting in love I mean they appear to be acting sort of because they don't have an option or, and or because they're following Moshe who's so charismatic and convinces them okay so that's an excellent point and my answer is actually very very important to understanding the entire Torah is the people in the Torah were human everyone asks how did they make the golden calf everyone asks like, kind of like pointing the finger how could they have made the golden calf so I'll just ask everyone here, including myself, how many times have we stood at the pinnacle of understanding or feeling close to God or close to another person or realization or commitment or whatever and one day later like it all falls apart. Right? It all falls apart. So if we understand that about ourselves then we can understand how they came to worship a golden calf when they stood at Mount Sinai it was like it was for real when they went out into the midbar even if it was a moment they reached this pure love of God Mm. ah then all these other things come out but it doesn't take away from from that that one pure moment right Mm. so interesting if they fall apart it makes me Yeah, yeah, very, very much. Now, that all of these holidays, there's no idea that we're concentrating on the ideal. We're not oblivious to our what happened or their faults or our faults. 
but we're, we're, we're trying for the highest level mm-hmm. when we light the Hanukkah candles just for a moment just to feel that pure mm-hmm. soul spiritual connection of the candles you know, sometimes you have to work the whole Hanukkah just to get there for a few moments. But those few moments is what fuels us. That's, that's what keeps us going is when we can reach those moments. Okay, and then we fall a million times. Halavai was only seven, right? A million times. A million times. But, but it's an excellent question. Okay, so we have historic, nature, agriculture, meaning, theme. Then the emotional, psychological. So what's the example of that? Egypt, as probably everyone knows, is the same language of narrow space. So what does it mean to come out of Egypt? It means, on a personal level, how to come out of our own narrow places. That's the classic, right? The, the now classic. But we'll see that there's a whole level of understanding each holiday on a very personal, emotional, psychological level. That the freedom that we're talking about is about us. It is about them. They went from slavery to freedom. But the true goal of of the Seder and all the work leading up to the Seder is that we go free. And this is something that many people don't focus on. They focus on the historical part of the holiday. And don't, to us, it maybe seems natural to make a, a personal, relevant connection. But not everyone does. Not everyone. The idea is that we have to get out of Egypt. This year, us, now. That's the point. So it's interesting idea leading to like Moshe and why Moshe never got to enter Eretz Israel and in that line of thinking getting out of narrowness until like, something that holds our conscious development but explain because I mean, I'm just thinking about in stages how we get out of certain ways of thinking oh okay 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 okay. so where did he stop that? Well, that I would say only God knows because it's left in the Torah. Everyone has. Yeah, I thought it as a question. You know, just yeah. interesting to me. Like, but it was obvious that God said to him, this far and no farther for you, personally, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Right? Which could have been connected to something that you said, God. is that as they went into Israel, they, they needed to break that dependence on Moshe. It wasn't necessarily anything that Moshe did. But at that point, it wasn't perhaps good for his generation if it needed to go to the next generation as great as he was as a possible understanding possible understanding but anyway this this is the core of Hasidus on every holiday understanding the emotional psychological way to make the holiday relevant to us today in a very very way and I, I feel this is one of the most important understandings of the holidays is to really make them personally relevant. And the example I use all the time is I went to a Seder once. It was in America. It was a second Seder. We never would make a second Seder because we, we knew we were coming back and we just couldn't think of actually making it ourselves. We would attend a second Seder. And I went to one of a, a group that it was called uh, Jacks, Jewish Alcoholics and Chemically Dependent and and Significant Others. Wow! Right, that was being run. Now, there's people, you know, great people who had had problems, had problems, and as we went to the seder, as is fitting, there's lots, there's questions in the seder. So these people had a lot of questions about life and everything and, but what I noticed at, at, at no fault of anyone as we went to the Seder most of the people left as enslaved as they came in other words it, 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 it could have been a liberating experience but I just, I just saw that it wasn't and that's when I realized like okay we did all of the halachas we kept the whole Seder 
but not that, not that I, 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 I'm not judging them, right? But I, it was just very like visible that they didn't get out of Egypt at the Seder. They didn't get out of Egypt, and then I realized like how important it is for us to realize that that is the goal. That is the goal. We talk about getting out of Egypt for 3,000 years ago, but we can't do it now, so we're losing something. The last and fifth level is what we'll call the spiritual mystical level. Now, so how is that different than the emotional psychological? That's where we take the, all of the ideas and try to see their macro context. So the example for this is, and again, we could give many examples, is if Egypt is called a narrow place, so the ultimate example or source of a narrow place is when a quasi-infinite eternal soul has to come into a finite, limited body. Say that again, a quasi-infinite eternal eternal soul has to come down into, like just like we went down into Egypt, the soul comes down conceptually into a body, and the relationship is of being in a very narrow place. Mm -hmm. And this is how Kabbalah explains the whole story of Egypt. And it's the story of the soul. Hmm. Obviously, it's the story of an individual, and I, I mean of a whole people. But then they explain it's really not just the story; it's really a reality. And therefore, the entire chumash becomes a big parable for the soul and the body, and how does a soul free itself in the confines of the body? That's the trick. That's the trick. Not by leaving the body. And that has to do with mitzvah. It has to do with the mishkan. A physical mishkan that God is going to dwell in. Question, how does an infinite God... How and why would He choose to, as it were, um, contract Himself into a mishkan? It's the same question. In other words, for God... The entire creation is Mitzrayim. In a sense. But again, we can, we can get free of Mitzrayim. So right? That's the question now about the Shekhinah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you see what we did with this whole thing? We just looked at the holidays according to five levels. Now this is extremely connected to the story of Pesach. That's what... Why? And I'm just going to review and we'll, we'll probably pick up here next week. Okay, so why does this all have to do with Pesach? So I'm going to tell you in five minutes. Right? And then you'll have what to contemplate. And I'm not getting into anything deeply, but you're going to see a series of correlations here. Incredible correlations. So, there are five levels of the soul. When we come out of Egypt, that's this, this paper right here, we're told that there are four languages of redemption in the Torah. If you can keep these. If you read in the English, this is where it says, halfway through, it says, um, Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am Hashem and I shall take you out, that's one expression, from under the burdens of Egypt. I shall rescue you from their service. I shall redeem you, number three with an outstretched arm and a great judgment, I will take you to me for be a people, and I shall be to you a God, and you shall know that I am Hashem your God, etc. I shall bring you to the land. There are five expressions. You can go over it later. There are five expressions. This one right here. Uh, they're called five expressions of redemption. According to the Gemara, we... There's, there's a disagreement in the Gomorrah whether we should count four or five. Are there really four expressions or are there five? The question one is bringing to... Bringing them into the land. The last one, the sages, should we count that or shouldn't we? In the end, listen to this. Most people don't know this. This is an incredible understanding. 
And it's clear in the Gemara that they set the four cups of wine to correspond to these four expressions of redemption. So really we should have the four and a half or five. Ah, we do have a fifth cup. What is it? Yeah. Cup of Eliyahu. That is the fifth cup is the cup of Eliyahu. Because why? The, the reasoning was so good on both sides. They decided only four cups but we'll have a fifth cup also. Okay? I'm not going any deeper than that right now. Then you have the idea that according to Jewish history, so in other words, listen to this carefully, there's four cups, but really a fifth. There are four expressions of redemption, but really a fifth. There are four questions, but if you look in the Gomorrah, there's a fifth one. When, when we had a temple, they would ask a fifth question about the carbon Pesach, about eating the carbon Pesach. There are four sons, right, the wise one, the, the not so wise one, the simple one and the one who doesn't know how to ask. According to Hasidus, Hasidus added a fifth one. And everyone leaves the chair either for the Russian Jews or the Ethiopian Jews or Jonathan Pollard or right that there's a, or a chair for the, the, all the people who don't come to a Seder. Right? In other words, there's the idea that there's really a fifth son. In Jewish history, there are four exiles that we talk about. Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Is, is one missing there? Which one? The most obvious of all of them. No, 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 Egypt. Strangely enough, we talk about hundreds of times in our tradition that there are four exiles. What about Egypt? So the idea here is that there's four with a hidden fifth. What is it? Look on this sheet where we're told that all of this corresponds to the four-letter name of God. That's the source of all of these fours here. Four-letter God, but what does Kabbalah tell us? There is a fifth level, which is called the upper point of the Yud. If you look at a Yud, the, when the, the pen hits the paper, and there's a dot, in Kabbalah, that's considered a level of its own. And therefore, when you talk about Kabbalah, everyone's heard that there are four Kabbalistic worlds, right? The world of action, the world of formation, the world of creation, and the world of emanation. Ah, but in Kabbalah there's a fifth one called primordial man, Adam Kadmon. So in other words, just to put this all together, and we'll pick up here. Oh, and then there are five levels of the soul. And what what do we say at the Seder? What's the name of the book? Haggadah. Haggadah begins with what letter? Hey. Hey. What, how, what is hey? Is five. How many openings of the mouth are there? Five. The way uh, our mouth makes letters, not mystically, just the way biology is called the five openings of the mouth. And it's called Haggadah, to tell. And Pesach is interpreted as the mouth speaks. Sach means like Sicha, a conversation. Pesach. There's something about telling the story. And the fifth part of the Haggadah begins with the, with the name of the letter. Ha-Lachma-Anya. So the letter, hey... The fifth part. So I know I did this very fast. Right? So, but. Um, this bread of affliction. Okay? So, in other words, there's something about. Two things here. Something about connecting to the four letter name of God. And there's something about a hidden fifth. And you know what the hidden fifth is? Do you remember what. What? It's a dimension. Ah, it's a dimension. Yeah. Also, also, it's, you're right because there's three of space, one of time, 
and one of soul. So when it says we came out of Egypt, remember the Rashi brings the Midrash that four-fifths of the Jews died in Egypt. Four-fifths. So Rav Ginsburg explains that to get out of Egypt, as it were, the four lower, look at this, this chart of the Yudke Vavke, the four lower levels of the soul have to die in order to free the fifth one to come out. Yes, exactly. Like you were talking about the brokenness. What is the dying here? Mesirat Nefesh. When a person gives their all or is willing to go, like going out into the desert, so they, the ones who weren't willing to do that, they died in Egypt. The ones who were willing to give it all, so as it were, they, their four lower died and the fifth goes out. This is too complicated, but let's take the five ideas of the holiday and focus on Pesach, how we can connect to the historical chain of being in all these generations, of being connected to the newness of the season, of how we can emotionally and psychologically plug in to the theme and the newness of this time for our own personal freedom, and how we can see that this is the journey of our soul. And our soul needs to go free. It needs to go free. Thank you. 